0: I was, uh, I was reading some statistics the other day um, about women in, in childbirth, and I truly have made the decision that women should not have children after 35. Really, 35 children are enough. <laughs> I would have to agree. <laughs> I'd say more than three. <laughs> more Too th- many. I, I would like 35 of them, please. <laughs> I just need a horde of children. A horde? Well, I suppose sp- <laughs> you can get them to do thy bidding. Oh. Yeah.
1: Ugh. <laughs> just, I can't, I, I couldn't imagine. Just, I can barely imagine being the parent to
0: one, let alone an entire just colony of children. Yeah it'd be awful. Make, anyway, yeah, make sure make sure you make them <laughs> related to corn so they can be children of the corn. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Anyways. Welcome to Contagious Curiosity with Cat and Lainey. I am
0: Lainey and I'm Cat. And we are diving into the wonderful spooky wooky world of cryptids today. Well, speak for yourself, I'm not that spooked. Well, I mean,
1: How dare you? Good for you. I'm glad. You don't, you're not living in the state with your monsters.
0: No, no. I am. I have to share, I have to share land. We have, we we have, we have things I see all the time, like moose. Oh my God. They are terrifying. Moose are terrifying. Well, I don't know. When you see them in the spring, it's a little sad because they've lost half their hair and they just look, they look like you (laughs) want to walk up and, and express your apologies for how hard they have it, but don't, don't do it. Don't be like cat here. Um and especially if walk they up start like clicking their teeth. Yeah yeah Yeah.
1: Get the hell out of there. Yeah, you see a moose and it starts clicking its teeth at you,
0: you are screwed. You go get on get the hell out of there. You go on get go on now. Get. Go on get. So, um I just wanted to ask you, how uh, how are have you judged your first week back to school?
1: Oh, it's good. It's good. Um it is I like all of my teachers so far, which is always nice. It's interesting getting used to doing online classes and I'm just one of those people that needs to have all of my expectations like laid out in front of me so I have a calendar that hangs up over my my desk that has every assignment and when it's due and everything I have to do with little boxes next to it so I can take it off as I go so I make sure that I get everything done but also what happens when I do this is that it is extremely overwhelming to see (laughs) an entire semester laid out in front of me. But when it's broken down, it's not so bad.
0: That's not so bad. You know, when I
1: break it down to the day or the subject, I'm just like, all right, today for the next few hours, I'm going to finish up my homework for X class. Then it's not terrible. But like looking at it as a whole and looking at all the things that are expected of me, it's just like, oh my God, I've not had to be this responsible in a very long time.
0: But it's good, I'm very excited. I think I think you're honestly gonna do fine and I think that you're already doing things that are foolproof. You know, you exactly the calendar writing lists, making sure that everything's organized down. You're putting yourself in a position of success, and I admire that about you. I appreciate that about you. Oh, I appreciate you too. Yeah, but that's all yeah. I appreciate about you. I I <laughs> I just got one reason to keep keep you around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I can't think of one. So I'm I'm happy you have one. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, what are you drinking?
1: Oh, so um, myself and a few other friends went to Cricket Hill, uh, which is a lovely little brewery. And actually not too far away from here. There are quite a few breweries right around where I live, which is just mwah, mwah, lovely. I love it. But this is drum roll. Jersey Devil Imperial Red Ale. Oh, I love it. From Cricket Hill. I love it. Yeah. Mm. Tell, mm. tell me about it. Well, it's an imperial red ale, <laughs> and it's tasty. Let me see. Let me look at it. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's even got 7.4 ABV, so ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> mm,
0: mm, oh, oh. It's quite delicious, though. Well. What are you drinking? So, so I uh, have this soda, um. That I'm that I'm that I'm sipping on that I actually got from Sweets and More uh, in North Conway, New Hampshire. I think I talked about uh, another yes. soda that I had on a separate episode, and it was called Bloody Nose. So this is a different this is a different brand of soda. The company is always ask for Avery's. Now, on the bottle, it has I'm gonna put a picture up online of it too. A nice good a good picture. Uh, it has what I believe to be um, the Lizard Man. Um, which we're going <laughs> to, which we're going to chat about probably at the end of the episode today. And it says on the bottle, it's so dust, it's soda. It's, oh, this is terrible. It's so disgusting, but you know, the soda disgusting uh, is what yes, it says on it's it. So disgusting. T- totally gross soda. And it's called swamp juice because a lot of, uh, what I'm going to be talking about today, uh, involves more Southern swampy. Gross smelly skunk like creatures. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited to be able to pair this when you look at it in the light It's got this like, it weird sewage is, like, color sewage. Yeah, I love it And it's just a fruity mix soda I will say though that these these sodas are absolutely incredible totally worth it I think I told you I paid like three dollars for it But mm-hmm. if you bought like a pack of six, they gave you some kind of deal. I'm totally going back for more of these They're incredible all different. Did you kinds. ever end up trying the uh, butter beer? It's. I'm saving it. I think I want to save it for like the winter months and do something mm. with ice cream with it. I'm. I'm. I'm saving it. It's carbonated, so definitely. I haven't opened it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just mean expect carbonated ice cream if you do something well, like with a root beer great. float. It's a root beer float. Yeah, virtually. Yeah. So you can pair that. Ooh, I could do like a root beer cutties with mm. with the butter beer, or maybe uh, Irish cream. The, uh, Bailey's Irish cream. Oh yeah, there you go. Over, over just, like, uh, one shot of it, just kind of over the, uh, like, a lump of ice cream. Oh, plants. I
1: have, it is I have. Plants. so sweet, but, yeah. oh my gosh, so, it, like, after, after you take, like, ten sips, then you're, you're like, okay, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> is- At least for me, overly sweet things takes me, it, they take me a minute to, to warm up to.
0: Oh, no, it's a very special thing, like, so, I actually just bought ice cream, honestly, for the first time in, in. Has to have been like a month or two. I'm definitely a savory person. I will make a sandwich in the middle of the night any day over like grabbing something sweet from the cupboard.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Yep. Hurts my belly. So <laughs> we didn't talk about who was going to go first. Um, so I decided to pull up a coin. All right. Yeah. So let's do it. What do you want? I want tails. I knew you were going to fucking pick a tail. All right. And. tails tails never fails you take a picture of it to prove it if you want i i I believe you (laughs) all right so does that mean i go first that means you go first how do you feel about that all right i'm good i'm feeling good right on right on right on okay everybody so i'm excited mm. i'm excited about this (laughs) i think you're alone
1: lost In the dense wilderness of the unforgiving pine barrens, but all you can feel are eyes of someone, something watching you, and then you hear it the loud, inhuman screeching of what can only be (laughs) the Jersey Devil!
0: Ah! (laughs) My leg!
1: (laughs) So. The Jersey Devil, or as it was originally called, the Leeds Devil, is a classic American folklore that has been passed down through generations for over two centuries. It is a fearsome creature that haunts the, unimagin- the uninhabitable South Jersey Pine Barrens, and is known mostly for its high-pitched screeching that was described by one person who came into- to who claimed to have heard it as sounding like a woman being strangled which I don't know why he knows what that sounds like, but that's that's what he attributed it to. Though the Jersey Devil has been a sort of local boogeyman for the for the desolate area for centuries, there are hardly any stories of it actually attacking somebody. It was claimed to be the culprit behind some livestock killings, and there have been plenty of people who have claimed to have encountered the beast, but it hasn't seemed to pose much of an offensive threat.
0: Uh, you there know, have been many... Rep- how, how, hold on, what? hold on. I... I know that we're going to share the picture with the update and like with, with the, with the posts, but mm-hmm. have you ever seen that episode of Futurama with the bone vampire? No, that's exactly, I'm, I'm going to have to share that with you. That's exactly, I just, just in this moment clicked for <laughs> me as you were describing this, there's an episode about the bone vampire where there's just like this weird creature that debones livestock. And it just <laughs> and anyways, oh, it's so good! But it looks like, It looks like the Jersey Devil. Now that I've seen the pictures, it looks exactly yep. like it. So I just to... the Jersey to Devil
1: has popped up in so many different, you know, pop culture um, things over time. There are so many awesome songs. Did do you did you listen to any of the songs that I sent you? No, the Jersey Devil songs. No, not yet. Oh, some of them are good. They're really good, including like a, there was a play that was done for, like, TV that was recorded and, and broadcast. Of, and, like, the Jersey Devil in it just starts singing, like, this really sad ballad oh. instead of being, like, this big fearsome, like, thing it's just like... Oh, 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 oh. oh it's so good. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm totally... But what We Do in the Shadows just had a Jersey Devil episode. I like, need to it, catch up they, on he that He pops show. up all
0: the time. I need to oh, catch up so on good. that show. I've just totally sent you a picture of... of... Mr. Uh, Mr. Pep, Mr. Peppy, the Bone Vampire from Futurama. (laughs) Anyways, continue, please. (laughs) There
1: have been many reported sightings over the past two hundred years, but one of the first was it was in 1812 when Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's older brother, claimed that he saw the Jersey Devil while hunting on his estate. There was the Great Jersey Devil Panic of nineteen oh nine when almost a thousand people reported seeing the beast after there was a newspaper article simply talking about the folktale and like its history. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it I sparked saw like picture. this
0: mass yeah.
1: hysteria.
0: Ridiculous. I mean, that was yeah. that was, that was that was the social meads of the day, you know, was your printing press.
1: Yep. It was an instance of mass hysteria, like you just said, with people reporting all kinds of crazy mayhem, like Navy Commander Stephen De decatur claiming that he saw the creature and shot it with a cannon of all things he then stated that even though the cannonball <laughs> blew a hole through the devil it wasn't phased by the projectile did, did Other...
0: I, I I wish i would have known like how many yards like i want to meet the man who was just so certain that he blew a hole in a target yeah. at a good distance with a fucking cannonball he's got good aim real real good aim i, I, I was there i seen it <laughs> Others attributed,
1: like I said, brutal attacks to their cattle to the devil, and others still claim that they had genuine devil footprints and blood spatters in their field or on their property. Though the Jersey Devil is often classified as a cryptid, it is actually more of a chimera than a cryptid. Mm. A chimera is a creature made up of multiple other animals, like a griffin or a sphinx or a pegasus. It's a bunch of <laughs> that's a hodgepodge of different creatures altogether. In doing research for this episode, I actually found out that human chimeras are an actual thing. They're a scientific thing, which is pretty nuts. Um, unfortunately, well, it doesn't mean that there have been, like, what?
0: Well, think about, think about a- Egyptian statues. Think about, you know, Horus, you know, the head of a dog and the body of a man. I know that they Yeah, were... but I mean,
1: that's not, like, scientifically proven to be real. Human chimeras are, like, an actual real like scientific term, because it it what happens. It's not that you know humans are born with different animal parts. It's that when one human has two different sets of DNA in them at one time. So it can happen when a woman is pregnant with like fraternal twins, but then one embryo dies and the other one sucks it up and and you know takes oh, all of their nutrients and things. It will also take yeah. It'll also take can, can take um two sets of DNA and just have it. So it's really great for committing crimes if you like. <laughs>
0: I feel like managed to, you know. I feel like there was an episode of The Mentalist that covered exactly this.
1: Oh really? With twins? With <laughs> of twin. course there was. Yes, of course yes, there was. Those
0: twins, and a, one of them could like oh yes no it oh my god, oh that's fantastic. <laughs> well, human chimeras, fantastic, fantastic,
1: and <laughs> that's what I'm here for. It's what I'm here. And in- for. really though, like like I would say, you got to look up a picture of these things if you haven't seen a drawing or interpretation of the jersey devil i, I really suggest looking it up right i now. mean he's awfully they kind of, cute they kind of look like the uncoordinated goofy cousin of a griffin you know like just like with it's like stunted little wings that almost look too small for its body and just
0: oh it, it's, it's awkward like it's, got, it is it's an awkward like looking beast the, a mix but between it's between m- a bat and a mule
1: yeah <laughs> so when when where a lot of like the descriptions came from is there was um like dime museums there were these things called dime museums where it was just you know I think I'm pretty sure you just go and pay a dime and it's all of these different oddities and things that people collected and this one guy was just like well we're going to we're going to create the jersey devil and ended up like taking a kangaroo and trying to paint it green, and then it, like, licked all the green paint off of itself, and then finally, like, figured out a a form of how to dye it where, like, the kangaroo accepted it. And then they, like... Like put wings made out of like rabbit fur, if I'm remembering correctly, on the on this thing, and they like hired people to be the Jersey Devil catchers. That these people were gonna go out into the woods, and then they came back with like this big rattling cage that they wheeled into the dime museum, and then they put up signs everywhere, being like, Jersey Devil is caught. Come see it at the dime museum. We got the Jersey Devil. And they get there. It's just this fucking green kangaroo with like wings that are barely a. Attached, just fucking
0: ridiculous. I to be alive in those periods of like the traveling caravan <sighs> oh. shows and you know the the oddity and tonic carts, you know, and yeah, c- come yeah. here, see one, see all. We got ourselves the oh, Jersey so Devil, good. the Jersey Devil so here.
1: Good.
0: Yeah, like carnival barkers, five cents a ticket. Five cents <clears throat> oh, a ticket to see the God. Jersey Devil.
1: <laughs> I I really I really wish. That we were still... Because, I mean, I well, I, I guess I take that back. I was about to say, I wish that America was still, like, in that gullible phase of, like, we'll believe anything is possible. But then I realized just how many conspiracy theories people believe in right now. And, like, you know, how it's kind of making our country crumble into the earth. We still have people who still somehow
0: believe that Elvis is alive.
1: Hmm. Oh. At least
0: JFK Jr. for sure is coming back. So. Oh, that's... Obviously never. That was never in question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So um, how it's described is like, there there are many different variations of it, really. But of where, like, what animal parts go where from all of the different descriptions. But for the most part, it's described as a bipedal kangaroo, which just means it's got two legs. It's on two legs. Bipedal. Um, Kangaroo-like wyvern. Like, There's so many like kangaroo-like or wyvern-like. Creature with a horse or goat-like head, leathery bat-like wings, horn-like like. things on their head. Yes, yeah. A little bit. Small of arms.
0: A little bit of that. Small arms
1: with clawed hands, legs with hoven clo- with cloven hooves, and a forked tail. So just.
0: That's how that drawing came out. I love that out.
1: none of. That's how that drawing. None came of out. yeah. None of it creates a majestic picture. It's all just awkward and doesn't go well together at all. Oh, oh, nonetheless, here we are. And just as there are many different variations of the description, there are also as many different variations of its origin stories. The most common one of which is being that the, the devil was the 13th child of Mother Leeds. Mm. As one of the variations of the story goes, the Jersey Devil was born to, the, to a Pine Barrens resident named Jane Leeds, who was also known locally as Mother Leeds. When the legend uh, the legend states that Mother Leeds had twelve children, and after finding she was pregnant for the thirteenth time, cursed the child in frustration, crying that the child would be the devil. In seventeen thirty-five, Mother Leeds was in labor on a stormy night while her friends gathered around her. Born as a normal child, the thirteenth child then changed to a creature with hooves and a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail growling and screaming, the child beat everyone with its tail before flying out of the chimney and heading into the pines. So just like, you know, baby to growing freaking out monster within
0: only a few minutes. Love it. That sounds very (laughs) realistic, though. I believe this.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. Others say that the devil child didn't flee right away and was actually raised by the leads for a short time. And after they did finally... Let it fly the nest, it would return to the Leeds home to visit the family from time to time. In reality, historians believe that the origin of the devil is actually steeped in American history, surrounding a family, a religion, and a bit of bullying from a found, famous founding father. Oh. Before tell we get into more. the details. Oh, it's <laughs> <Ha-ha>. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Before we get into the details of the Leeds family and their entanglement with a certain up-and-coming author, let's establish the setting for this whole story. Mm. The New Jersey Pine Barrens. Even today, the barrens, also called the pine lands or simply the pines, have a reputation of being desolate, backwoods, and more often than not described as creepy and unsettling. Every single person I've met who has spent any amount of time in the pine barrens has nothing but like, "Oh, that place is freaking weird, man." Type things to say. That makes me. Come. Nobody's makes just me like, want "Oh, it's go. a lovely place to vacation. Just lovely." How Spend many, all of
0: your time. There. How many people do you know have been to the pine barrens? It's quite a few. It's just South Jersey. It's not. Oh, you know. oh, I forgot where you were for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Mm-hmm. I'm in North Jersey, but still. So there's, not that, a, there's, a, that there's far. a lot of creep in Jersey. There's
1: a lot of creep. Especially down South, though. Mm-hmm. Like, especially the Pine Barrens. That's the thing is there's a lot of creep in Jersey, but nothing is like the creep that the Pine Barrens bring. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the name pine barrens refers to the area's sandy acidic nutrient poor soil and is the largest remaining example of the atlantic coastal pine barren ecosystem stretching across more than seven counties of new jersey and over a million square miles
0: it's huge huge i bet it's eerie because there's nothing growing on the ground well, that's the thing, too, is
1: like the the types of trees and things that grow there acidic. are really,
0: yeah. really fucking
1: unique. Well, for a, a couple of different reasons. So, um, bah, bah, God damn it, I keep losing my place. <laughs> <laughs> the land itself made it nearly impossible for anyone to settle there post-colonization. The Pine Barrens, with its sandy soil, did not attract a permanent agricultural population whose main interest would have been to establish permanent boundaries or to clear forests for fields, you know, general agricultural, blah, 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 blah. So basically, everything you would need, to for- need from the land in order to build and sustain a community was there lacking in abundance. Although European settlers could not cultivate their familiar crops there, the new unique ecology of the Pine Barrens supports a diverse spectrum of plant life, including orchids and carnivorous plants that aren't seen anywhere else in in the region. Mm, Orchids. The mm -hmm. The area is also notable for its population of rare pygmy pitch pines and other plant species that depend on frequent fires in the Pine Barrens to reproduce. The sand that composed much of the area's soil is also referred to as sugar sand because of how poor its quality is. And it just crumbles away. But it, The uh, pygmy pines are super, super cool trees. Around 10,000 years ago, the ancestors of the Lapani people first inhabited the Pine Barrens. Very little is known about their history, but scholars do know that the uh, Lenape, sorry, Lenape, Lenape? I'm going with Lenape. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> the I'm, Lenape sorry. tribes burned the woods in the spring and the fall to reduce underbrush and help improve hunting conditions. Forest fires have been common occurrences before ha- before habitations of humans, even. Fires played a huge ecological role in the pinelands and ecosystems. Quote, suggests that the short fire intervals may have been typical in the pinelands for many centuries or millennia. Fire still plays an important role for the ecology of the barrens even today. Frequent light fires tend to reduce the amount of undergrowth and promote the growth of mature trees. Forest fires have contributed to the dominance of pitch pine in the pine barrens. They can resist and recover quickly from the fire by reproducing directly through their bark, which is something extremely unusual for pines to do. The frequent killing of the fires keeps the area covered with small sprouts. And their serotonous pine cones, which means that they, they open light and they only open once they have been heated up by the, the heat of a fire. So they only spread if fires have occurred there. Which is just so freaking cool. That is fascinating. Oh, yeah. And so the prevalence of the forest fires allows the pitch pines to dominate over the oaks. Which would, by comparison, usually kill out all of those pines. Because they would, they would grow so much taller. And you know, cut out the, the sun... And the um, mm-hmm. pitch pines wouldn't be able to grow, but because of the fires, all of the oaks get wiped out by them, and we have all of these pitch pines. So they, a lot of people, um, want to keep the pit, you know, the pine barrens burning and keep doing small fires. But of course, people that have property or live near there don't want it to happen, and are all worried and blah blah blah. But that's but they... part of how it survives. Exactly, it's what makes it. And the land has become all protected. I think it was back in like the 70s, that all of the land is like highly, highly protected now because it is the biggest ecological example left of um, Atlantic Pine Barrens, which is just pretty cool. So the fires, they, they keep those going. Um, so while fires can constitute danger, Like I was just saying, they do it anyway, and in other places where they have happened to, you know, uh, people have encroached on the lands too much, and they have stopped doing the fires. Oaks have, in fact, taken over those little areas, so they know for a fact they have to keep those fires going if they want to keep the ecology the same. Mm -hmm. Anyway, New Jersey was settled by Europeans in the very early 1600s. However, it took until the 1700s for, for Europeans to get anywhere near are settling in the Pine Barrens it took them over a hundred years to finally figure out a way to make it work, and thanks to the addition of the first sawmills and gristle, gristle mills, during the colonial era era the Pine Barrens was the location of various industries. And in 1740, charcoal operations began in the Pine Barrens, and the first iron furnace opened up in 1765. So all of these things were starting to, industries were starting to pop up right. around and help um, help bring people in. So I, now that we've covered a little bit of the geography, let's get into the history. So our story, as, and as such, the story of the Jersey Devil itself, begins with a na- man named Daniel Leeds. He was one of Quaker faith, but unlike a lot of his other fellow cr- churchgoers, Daniel was a staunch believer of the occult, he, and especially of astrology. Daniel would publish pamphlets and almanacs starting in 1687 talking about his various beliefs amongst farming tips and would distribute them around his town. His fellow Quakers were not fans of his publications and publicly spoke out against him, saying that he was, quote, too pagan and blasphemous. This was a real shock to Daniel, who honestly thought that his fellow Quakers would love his esoteric side. But the problem was that he was talking about it out in public and not behind closed doors. Right. So the almanacs were censored and destroyed by the local Quaker community. In response to this, however, and probably in spite of the censorship, Leeds continued to publish even more esoteric (laughs) Christian astrological writings and became increasingly fascinated with Christian occultism, Christian mysticism, cosmology, demonology, angelology, angelology, and natural magic. So a few years later, in the 1690s, after his almanacs and writings were further censored as blasphemous and heretical by the Philadelphia Quaker meeting, Leeds continued to distribute within the Quaker community, and he ended up um, converting to angelicism. When he was shunned for his esoteric beliefs even further, Daniel Leeds turned against his own faith and wrote a book called, quote, the new News of a Strumpet Cohabitating in the Wilderness. What? Also called, yeah, News of a Strumpet Cohabitating in the Wilderness. That sounds like a Dr. Or, Seuss. <laughs> yeah. A Brief Abstract of the Spiritual and Carnal Whoredoms and Adulteries of the Quakers in America. Whoa. Is it still published? Can I buy it? I'm sure you could look it up, yeah. There's like a, a, it's like 34 pages. It's, it's real short, but man, he is what not is happy. What is it again? Um, news of a strumpet cohabitating in the wilderness. So this got Daniel a lot of negative attention, including that of a man named Caleb Poussey. Pussy? Poussey. Uh,
0: Poussey, furious. <laughs> pussy. Over- pussy. The way it's you pussy. questioned it. It's pussy. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Poussey. I'm buying it. Poussey, I'm, I'm buying furious. it Furious. Right bu- it's there. There it is. It's there. It's there. That's amazing. Wow.
1: Do it. So this guy Pussy, Poussey, furious <laughs> over Leeds' takedown of the American Quakers, also wrote a book called Daniel Leeds Justly Rebuked. <laughs> to which... To which... Daniel replied with yet another book titled,
0: The Rebuker Rebuked. <laughs> That's some <laughs> petty ass shit right there. <laughs> just back and forth for so long. Oh, it's so good. This
1: was what was commonly called a pamphlet feud, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is just going back and forth. and and printing presses uh being more widely available to people made it so that they started being used for ridiculous purposes such as these (laughs) and it made it way easier for people to just you know like trash each other in the press and if you're familiar with the musical hamilton at all this should sound familiar Mm -hmm. and it's also it's basically the dated version of a social media war of just going back and forth never dealing with anybody face to face just you know Typing bullshit out. <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous for the for the pleasure of everybody else around you, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> and um, because of the public name calling from both Leeds and Pusey, and due to Daniel's fall from grace in the eyes of the Quakers, it wasn't difficult for Caleb Pusey to convince people that Daniel Leeds was quote evil, a murderer, and Satan's harbinger. Eventually, Daniel decided to step down and he retired, but his son Titan Leeds, which is a great name, was ready to take up the reins and pick up where his father left off when it came to the almanacs. Titan was also a strong believer in the occult and picked up his father's passion for astrology, writing about it in every publication. Unlike his father's experience, Titan found that by the 1730s, people were starting to become more accepting of his views, and it seemed as though the occult may have been becoming into fashion. Oops. Banging into shit. (laughs) As astrology became more hip, Titan Leeds almanac was among the most popular around. Even though the Leeds family had made plenty of notable enemies, they were about to make their most notable. Titan unwittingly got the attention of none other than Benjamin motherfucking Franklin when their almanac started to heavily compete. Of course, of course. Yep. That would make sense to me. Yeah. I gotta say too, Kat and I went to go a couple weekends ago. We went to go see the Decemberists in New York, and it was fantastic. We had a lovely time. It was the best Aww, two songs lady, that I really lady, wanted lady. to hear. They were played, and it was amazing and magical. Two days later, two they played days. in closer in New York, closer to closer where closer you live, closer to where I live. And when they sang the song Benjamin Franklin, God damn it! If Lin Manuel Miranda didn't goddamn fuck join them on stage and sing along with them, and if that isn't like, would have been the greatest thing to ever witness in my would entire have cried. life. To be surprised, oh my god, I would have sobbed.
0: We both I, cried at this. So, we both cried at the yeah, show, anyways. Exactly. we were just grateful to be there. Uh, but I would have probably I will say, like, hyperventilated and passed out. I will say, in my experiences once again of going to concerts, that was an incredibly rewarding and beautiful venue. Yes, I it will was. say, and that, it was intimate and, and just. It's, it was very Decemberists. Yes, um, yeah. so at an apple orchard. Just, it mm. was. I, I. But I, I feel you. It, I'm trying not to think about it. Look at it this way. Look at it this way, Lainey. Who's gonna go meet Brendan Fraser? Who's gonna go meet Brendan Fraser? <laughs> I <laughs> am. <laughs> yeah, I know,
1: Lain, Brendan go Fraser Brendan an- announced that he's gonna be at Comic Con, and I have never gotten so excited about something well at least for a long time i i immediately called cat and my heart was racing through my chest so i was just pacing back and forth in my living room as i'm screaming at her about how excited i am to get my picture
0: taken. I, I was telling i was telling laney i was on the phone with uh i was on the phone with my partner and uh we were talking about something and i see her calling and i'm like okay well i'll I'll call her right back and then i see the message come through and i just immediately stopped talking to the person i was on the <laughs> phone with and just kept like like panic texting laney about like how amazing this was and all the plans and i got to a point where the person i was talking to my partner was like H- hello are, are you listening and i was like I- i'm sorry i need to let you go and they're like is everything okay <laughs> is, is it okay and i'm like Laney's. Laney's gonna go be Brendan Fraser, and I need to. I just, just cut the phone (laughs) out and I hung up on them. Oh, he gets
1: it though. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I called up Laney and I was like, I'm gonna be Brendan Fraser.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was a solid like ten minutes of us just screaming back and forth at each other. And oh god, my favorite personal Brendan Fraser movie is Bedazzled (laughs) because it is out of control. It's I just I love it so much. It's so fantastic and instrumental to my childhood and i really just want like a giant picture of him like for a shirt like the his sensitive version where he's just crying at the sun oh 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 fantastic i'm so excited anyway i'm excited too back to the devil in 1732 <laughs> benjamin franklin started to write and distribute poor richard's almanac and we, this was a hugely famous almanac and the it, the main uh, competition was the Leeds Almanac. Oh,
0: that was violent. <laughs> that was very violent. So I actually turned the microphone down, and I like. Oh, still in- oh no, no! I did exactly. I I, I think sometimes you forget.
1: <laughs> I felt it. Coming. So nobody heard you. Just like attack <laughs> sneeze. Just me. So just <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm just like dog. Oh my God! Violent talking about an almanac <laughs>
0: <laughs> i wish i wish i would have kept the sound now because i felt oh, it, well. i felt it come up in the nose and i remember going i didn't know if you saw my face but my eyes started bucking out of my head and i was like it's coming and i just tried to turn the volume down as, as uh. and then I was. Like, pff, pff. <laughs> i'm sorry guys i'm sorry no you're
1: good Anyways. you're good all right i'm starting over in 1732, Benjamin Franklin started to write and distribute Poor Richard's Almanac, and it was the main competition of the Leeds Almanac. To put it bluntly, Ben Franklin thought that things like astrology and the occult in general was absurd and stupid. He hated it. To the point that he started to write things about Titan Leeds in Poor Richard's Almanac. And so the feud began. Mm. And it's also worth noting that Benjamin Franklin, like, everybody knew that he was the author of Poor Richard's Almanac, but he would always deny it in the almanac. Like, as in Poor Richard would be like, I don't know why everybody thinks I'm Benjamin Franklin. I'm not Benjamin Franklin, even though everybody knew it was Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> it's just a weird guy. I love it. To the point that he started to write things about Titan Leeds in Poor Richard's Almanac. And so the feud began. The competition between the two men intensified when, in 1733, Franklin decided to really mess with Leeds and use his precious astrology against him. In Poor Richard's Almanac, Ben Franklin, quote, used astrology to predict Titan Leeds' death in October later that year and told readers that they would have to buy the next issue to see if he was correct about his death. Stop. Shockingly. It. Yeah. Yeah. Shockingly, Titan Leeds was not impressed. (gasps) Wonder why. And in fact, quite offended. Probably (laughs) quite amused with himself at this point. Franklin took it a step further and posted an obituary (laughs) for Titan Leeds in his next publication. Confused and pissed off, Titan exclaimed in his own almanac that he is still very much alive. And to this, Franklin explained to his readers that Leeds was in fact dead. But the responses were now coming from his ghost. I actually he's remember like, this.
0: How do I remember this? Why do I remember this? You
1: see even like, oh, these are such ungentlemanly responses from Titan Leeds. He really <sighs> must be dead. This must be the ghost because Titan would never speak like this. I, okay, I know
0: I have definitely heard that story. Story before though. i think As- i've told you about might have been i you. probably
1: have like yeah randomly just like gone <laughs> off on a tangent so, about, a- benjamin, about franklin. benjamin
0: franklin yeah you do do that yeah
1: you do do that I- <laughs> it, it's been known to happen <laughs> uh bu- 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 here we go losing my place again So Franklin kept this up and, like, talking back and forth with Titan Leeds' ghost for years and would constantly post things in his almanac about him and vice versa. But from then on, he would only ever refer to him as Titan's ghost. Even after Titan's actual death in 1738, Benjamin Franklin did not let the bit go. He went on to thank the ghost that had been claiming to be Titan Leeds, and at last, the feud between Benjamin Franklin and the Leeds family was concluded. It is believed that because Daniel Leeds' blasphemous and occultist reputation and his pro monarchy stance in the largely anti monarchist colonial. South Jersey combined with Benjamin Franklin's later continuation continuation of taunting Titan Leeds and calling him a ghost was probably what originated or at the very least contributed to the local folk legend of the so-called Leeds Devil lurking in the Pine Barrens. Okay. That coupled with the fact that on every publication of the Leeds Almanac was an image of their family crest that was covered in different menacing beasts. The Leeds family crest depicted a wyvern. A bat-winged dragon-like legendary creature that stands upright on two-clawed feet. And um, a historian notes that the wyvern on the Leeds family crest is reminiscent of the the popular descriptions of the Jersey Devil. The inclusion of the family crest on the Leeds Almanac may have further contributed to the Leeds family poor reputation amongst the locals and possibly influenced the popular descriptions of the Leeds Devil or Jersey Devil. So even though the Pine Barrens might be scary as fuck, the really most menacing, menacing thing about the place is that it's full of people who are ready to turn you into a goddamn nightmare fuel for daring to have an interest in something like astrology.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that does seem to be a popular, a popular uh, hobby of the time. Was... Well, yeah, it was like it was
1: a big insult to call somebody a devil, you know, that, that goddamn devil down there. Yeah,
0: you know, and it was very popular. I don't want you dating no Phrase. girl like that, Ricky Bobby. She the devil. <laughs> Goodness, that's good though. That's good. I like how you. I like how you just dragged in a bunch of delightful things there. In regards to Benjamin Franklin, I like how you were able to squeeze him into the, into the story. He's a big part of it. That's remarkable. It's not I a whole realize. lot of squeezing.
1: It's a whole lot of like he helped perpetuate the, the whole.
0: The whole thing. The whole thing. I love it. It's definitely something I know that you've talked to me about in the past. I I feel it in my bones now. (laughs) All right. I'm ready to hear about some more monsters. So so we're taking a gentle shift, um, and we're going to get into more of a humanoid cryptid. Uh, Typically, one or more of these characteristics are usually required to be a humanoid cryptid. Two eyes, the ability to walk upright, opposable thumbs— not quite human, more anthropomorphic ability to build structures and can communicate with other humanoids or life. So that's how we necessarily classify them in relation to uh, similar to us. So first we're going to talk about the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Swamp Monster. It is a humanoid Mm -hmm. cryptid, cryptid that is reported to have been seen in around in and around honey island swamp louisiana since 1963 it was first reported in 1963 when two hunters spotted this creature prowling the swamps it's tracks, a relatively recent I, monster i was telling you i was telling you that That's earlier it's it's a freshie it's tracked in, its tracks indicated three-toed webbed feet now Ooh. obviously it's been theorized that bigfoot evolved webbed feet to swa- to suit a swampier environment Some even believe it's an experiment gone awry. The creature was also featured on an episode of Lost Tapes, where it attacked a hunter who ultimately survived the attack. Now, before we get into the Honey Island Swap Monster, I want to talk about Lost Tapes. So if you have not seen this show or heard of this show, please, please give it a watch. It is definitely worth all of the hours of your life. It is incredibly (laughs) awesome and amazing and so many weird, bizarre fun facty satirical ways um Lost Tapes was an American television series that aired on Animal Planet the program presents found footage depicting traumatic encounters with mysterious creatures or cryptids including the chupacabra and Bigfoot and even supernatural creatures such as the werewolf and vampire and extraterrestrials such as aliens and reptilians the pilot aired on October 30th 2008 And if you have not seen this show, it's a trip. Yeah, you guys, you gotta check it out. It's a trip. Lost Tapes depicts traumatic scenarios where people are attacked and or killed by mysterious, dangerous, deadly, savage, and ferocious paranormal wild cryptids. The series is shot in a mockumentary style. Most episodes begin with a quick introduction of facts, which includes uh, interviews with experts explaining scientific theories or facts and or folklore behind the episode's titular creature. In the second season, some episodes began with the footage of a person being attacked and often killed by the episode's creature. An introduction meant to set up the events of each episode. In the third season, every episode had an introduction, though the events of every episode in all three seasons are accompanied by videos of scientists, cryptozoologists, and folklorists giving their thoughts and opinions of the creatures, which are all called called lost tapes revelations. Okay. A common formula in Lost Tapes involves human character, human characters, usually either a single person or a small group, ending up in a remote part of the world or otherwise in a place with few options of escape, such as enclosed areas like buildings or underground tunnels. They soon encounter the episode's creature in a series of stressful events, which sometimes result in the death or of some or all of the featured characters. Many episodes end in cliffhangers, which state that the creature which appeared in the episode was never found and may (laughs) live among us. With the exception of a brief injury in Thunderbird, no children have been physically harmed on screen, though sometimes they've become traumatized after the events of the episode, as in the Chupacabra and Death Raptor episodes. So, (laughs) you know... (sighs) What does that even mean? It means that some child actors were traumatized during these events. (laughs) Worth it. It's so much. It's so much. <laughs> they were trying to create such an authentic experience that they traumatize children. Oh, that's God. good. That's why it's good. Well,
1: it's like with like child actors, how they used to get them to cry. They'd be like, "Hey kid, you know your mother just died." And they'd be like, "What?" And then start crying. And then they'd start like push them into like the scene and start filming them. That's, ho- that's horrific. How would you yeah, expect anybody
0: to be able to focus after you've just told them their mother is dead? Well, it wasn't true, so I, but, they get over it. Gosh. But then, but then, how would they? At, at <laughs> some point, you'd just not cry. How do you trust anybody? Yeah, at some point, you just not cry because you know that your mother's not dead. I don't believe. Find new ways to fuck with you. <sighs> yeah. Well, there you go. That's that's more like it. So, in most episodes, the creatures are often only partially revealed to the audience, and in brief glimpses or otherwise only as silhouettes shadows or obscured by darkness. Sometimes they are never seen at all, such as in Thunderbird and Chupacabra, but their presence is made obvious by sounds and characters' reactions to them. To give the show a mysterious atmosphere, techniques such as those used in Jaws are employed, and creatures are rarely fully seen. Hellhound, the last episode of the first season, marked the first time that a creature was fully shown on camera. And the second season revealed more characters than the first in jersey devil for instance the creature's legs hooves and face are briefly shown in vampire the creature's entire body can be seen on several occasions though only briefly and in the season's last episode dover demon the entire creature can be seen in the background when the night vision camera is turned on in the third season it showed even more characters and many of them in full view of the camera However, realism was better maintained with human-like creatures, such as in Zombies and Reptilian. Even non-human-like animals were shown more frequently, though this led to some negative criticism amongst fans that many of the creatures in the third season were less convincing with low-budget animatronics and CGI, (laughs) such as in The Kraken and Q, The Serpent God, or even simply people in costumes such as Devil Monkey and Yeti. While most, of the, while most episodes feature the titular cryptid as the antagonist, in some episodes they benefit the people that the story follows. For example, in Bigfoot, the creature seems to be watching over and protecting the main character. Even killing a poacher that was trying to attack her. Mothman implies that the featured cryptid was trying to warn people about the imminent collapse of the bridge.
1: <laughs> the so,
0: bridge! They just go over the top with with the presentation and at least it presents to you like folklore um you know regional folklore and you know different kinds of really unique things that people have believed for very long for a very long time except obviously with the exception of our honey island swamp monster here which really the first known sighting was in 1963 and it was sighted when harlan ford and his friend billy mills were searching for an abandoned cabin Spotted by Ford in a plain deep and in the Honey Island swamp, the friends reached a clearing where they spotted the creature, who kept eye contact with them only for a moment before escaping into the underbrush. Describing the creature, Ford said the following, It was nothing like I'd ever seen before, ugly and sinister, and looking, li- and looking like something out of a horror movie. In 1974, eleven years later, Ford and Mills returned to the area on a duck hunting trip. The two found several dead boars with their throats torn out along the way. Realizing the boars were too far from the water to have been killed by alligators, they began to suspect the monster they had encountered nine years prior was involved. Eleven years prior. (laughs) Math shows eleven. This suspicion was confirmed when they noticed footprints three-toed and webbed around one of the boars. Rather than having a second run in with the swamp monster, Ford and Mills retreated from the honey island swamp at a fast pace. Later that night, the friends returned to make a cast of the footprints. Another man named Ted Williams claimed to have seen the creature many times. He believes that there's a multiple uh, he believes that there are multiple swamp monsters. I could have killed him, Williams said, but I didn't. Cause I didn't want him to harm hmm. me <laughs> one day. <laughs> Could have done it. Though. Yeah. Could have done it though. But you know, I just figured I'd, I just, it's not my business. One day Ted took out his boat into the swamp to set trout lines. He was never seen again. Standing over seven. Hmm. F- yeah. So yeah, just okay. went out there and then never came back. Standing over seven and a half feet tall and weighing between 400 and 500 pounds, The Honey Island Swamp Monster, also known as the Louisiana Wookiee, is said to be covered in a thick coat of matted gray or brown hair, and swamp weed. Its yellow eyes are seemingly very frightening. The first known recording, at that time, of the Swamp Monster was recorded on Super 8 film, created by Kodak in 1965. Harlan Ford, a retired a retired air traffic controller who had taken up wildlife photography, had taken the initial video. His granddaughter, Dana, found the film while making a documentary on the footage created by her grandfather. And when Harlan himself passed, he claimed that the footage was created in 1963. And while it is entirely possible that the sighting could have occurred then, any circumstance of filming on this particular film could not have occurred until or after 1965 so the original and only footage of the swamp monster is recorded on film that was created in 65 and he claims to have done it in 63 but ooh <laughs> conflict it's it's it is so a lot of these little discrepancies were coming out because she did want to make a documentary on him she did um i do think in a situation like this where you have this kind of footage and it created, you know, a sensation of some sort. It's a good money making opportunity to kind of highlight that part of your family, especially if you have access to additional information. So <clears throat> I guess I get it. So, but however, Harland, uh, Harland's wife would continue to claim that the film was shot in the late seventies, bringing about speculation that the footage provided was not the earliest known shot of a bigfoot type creature. This footage mm-hmm. was never found. <coughs> this footage found was never released publicly by Harlan himself, largely creating disbelief that the footage itself is nothing more than a prank. Dana, Dana later donated a real plaster cast of the impression of the footprint of the Highland, Honey Island swamp monster. Ford was the first and only man, to my knowledge, who had poured. A plaster of Paris casts of its tracks that he found earlier in the years in the swamp. So, this is once again the only known cast, the only known proof on top of the footage that this one man created. <laughs> in 1974, zoologists from Louisiana State University met with Harlan Ford to study the plaster casts of the creature's four toed footprints. Cryptozoologists from Washington also arrived in Louisiana to inspect the unusual cast. Harlan said that thing stood eye level with me. That thing startled me the most where it's where, where it had a large Amber colored eyes. I don't know why I just went with that accent. Eyes. <laughs> amber, colored eyes. amber colored eyes. Harlan was later interviewed in a documentary called in search of, which still airs periodically on the discovery channel and other television networks. So honestly, Apart from finding additional information on the town itself, that is all that's really provided on the Honey Island Swamp Monster. It was actually... So, what I have found in the search of a lot of swamp monsters is that they were created by a single person or a small group of people and kind of sensationalized for the sake of publicity of some sort or hysteria of of some sort. But I will say that it, it has helped a lot of towns tremendously. Um, but we're going to go into a separate creature, if you don't mind. I'd like to talk a little bit more, because there wasn't a tremendous amount, like I said, on the Honey Island Swamp Monster. So I want to give us a, a little guide and little little fun tour into the Boggy Creek Monster. Yeah. So the Fook Monster, also known as the Boggy Creek Monster, and the Swamp Stalker, is a... Is is reported to be an ape-like creature similar to the descriptions of bigfoot that was allegedly sighted in the rural town of fook arkansas during the 1970s the creature was alleged to have attacked a local family it has since become an american and arkansas folklore it has also influenced local culture in fook with some businesses capitalizing on the local lore stories of the creature are influenced and uh, are influenced in the 1972 docudrama horror feature entitled The Legend of the Boggy Creek, which became the mm. 11th highest grossing film in 1972 and is today considered to be a cult classic. It's definitely now on my watch list. I made sure to add that as I was going through nice. this. Yeah. Various reports between 1971 and 1974 described it as being a large bipedal creature covered in long, dark hair. It was estimated to be about seven feet tall and weighed 250 to 300 pounds, but was later reported to be far larger, with one witness describing it as 10 feet tall with an estimated weight of 800 pounds. Some Mm. accounts describe the Fuke monster as running swiftly with a galloping gait and swinging its arms in a fashion similar to that of a monkey. Reports also describe it as having a terrible odor, the odor being described as a combination of a skunk and a wet dog. (laughs) <laughs> and having bright red eyes about the size of silver dollars. It's a really fascinating picture. Uh, when I was looking up images of, of this creature, the way that they depict it is in, is is super mega creepy. In fact, the silhouette kind of reminds me of that uh, Looney Tunes character that was a big heart, a big fuzzy heart. Oh, yes, he yes. I know what angry. you're talking about. That's what the, that's what the uh, illustrations kind of remind me of. A variety of tracks and claw marks have been discovered, which are claimed to belong to the creature. One set of footprints reportedly measured 17 inches in length and 7 inches wide, while another appeared to show feet that only possessed three toes. The Fook Monster first made local headlines in 1971, when it was reported to have attacked the home of Bobby and Elizabeth Ford on May 2, 1971. No relation to the previous Ford. I just want to point Ah. that out, though, but kind of funny. According to Elizabeth Ford, the creature, which she initially thought was a bear, reached through a screen window that night, while she was sleeping on a couch. It was chased away by her husband and his brother Don. During the alleged encounter, the Fords fired several gunshots at the creature, and believed that they had hit it, though no traces of blood were ever found. An extensive search of the area failed to locate the creature, but three-toed footprints were found close to the house, as well as scratch marks on the porch and damage to a window and the house's sighting. According to the Fords, they had heard something moving around outside late at night and, and several nights prior, but, having lived in the house for less than a week, never had encountered the creature before. The creature was allegedly sighted again on May 22, 1971, when three people, D.C. Woods, Jr., Wilma Woods, and Mrs. R.H. Sedgas, reported seeing an ape-like creature crossing the U.S. Highway 71. More sightings reports were made over the following months by local residents and tourists, who found additional footprints. The best-known footprints were found in a soybean field belonging to the local filling station owner, Scott Keith. They were scrutinized by game warden Carl Galen, who was unable to confirm their authenticity. Like Ford's prints, they appeared to indicate that the creature had only three toes. The incident began to attract substantial interest after news spread about the Ford sighting the little rock arkansas radio station kaay posted a one thousand nine hundred dollar bounty on the creature several attempts were made to track the creature with dogs but they were unable to follow its scent when hunters began to take interest in the fuke monster miller county sheriff leslie greer was forced to put a temporary no guns policy in place in order to prefer, preserve public safety in 1971 Three people were fined fifty-nine dollars each for filling a fraudulent for filing a fraudulent monster report. Hmm. Sorry, guys. My my cat is trying to get my attention by knocking everything that I own off of a single shelf. Such a good, <sighs> good little kitty. And then she's frightened herself, and now now there's just a mess, and she's run out of the room. Mm-hmm. After an initial surge of attention public interest in the creature decreased until it gained national recognition in 1973, when Charles B. Pierce released a docudrama horror film about the creature in 1972, The Legend of Boggy Creek. By le- by late 1974, interest had waned again and the sightings all but stopped, only to begin again in March of 1978, when tracks were reportedly found by two brothers prospecting in Russellville, Arkansas. There were also sightings at Center Ridge, Arkansas, on June 26th of the same year. A sighting was reported in Crossit, Arkansas, during this period, and the creature was blamed for missing livestock and attacks on several dogs. Creatures are always blamed for livestock stuff. Always. Always. Well, to be fair, most of the time it probably is a, it is a coyote or a fox. I will tell you that. <laughs> Your chickens be gone, probably a fox. <laughs> at least up here it is. Since the initial clusters of sightings during the 70's, there have been sporadic reports of the creature. In 1991, the creature was reportedly seen, seen jumping from a bridge. There were 40 reported sightings in 1997 and in 1998. The creature was reportedly sighted in a dry creek bed mile bed five miles south of the town of Fouke. So one month, though, after the Ford sighting. Southern State College archaeologist Frank Schambach determined that there is a 99% chance that the tracks are definitely a hoax. <laughs> According to Schambach, the tracks could not it's have. Bullshit. Bullshit. The tracks could not have been from a species of ape, as claimed by the witness, because they were from a three toed creature, whereas all primates, including hominids, hominids, have five toes. In addition to the number of toes, Schambach cited several other anomalies as a part of his conclusion. The region had no history of primate activity, ruling out the possibility of the creature being remnants of some indigenous, indigenous species. All primates are completely uh, di- diurnal, as the Fook monster was reported to be nocturnal. By 1986, the mayor of Fook, Virgil Roberts, and former Miller County Sheriff Leslie Greer were, the op- were of the opinion that the alleged Fook monster tracks were man-made grier's working colleague at the time deputy hl phillips said that he had not taken calls regarding the monster in years he does not believe the creature exists stating i don't believe in it but i say you don't argue with people who say they've seen it many were respectable and responsible folks the skeptoid po- podcast concludes so in total every last shred of evidence that the fuke monster exists is all anecdotal not a single piece of is testable. The Fook monster fits poorly with the model of a living animal and fits very well with just a local legend. I bet they're super fun over there
1: with that podcast spending. Not that I'm trying to rip down anybody else's podcast. I am just saying. Yeah. Yeah. You spend your entire life just defunking fun things like this. Yeah. I don't know if I want to hang out with you.
0: Yeah, I looked up I, I, when, I, when I was looking up other bits of information and in like the YouTube videos and I was looking at podcasts that I found this one on it. It was pretty much like why everything about this is bullshit and fake. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, but we can come to those conclusions without you. I don't know. I yeah. know. Well, that's and so, and so that kind of leads into the next part of what I feel like we should talk about, which is a, in situations where people kind of create these legends more often than not, not necessarily trying to cause fear, but for the sake of creating some kind of spectacle of fun in some unique way or some way for a town to to be more special or for an area to be special, or maybe for the person themselves to feel special for creating such a legend. But, um... Well, we as creatures, you know, thrive off of stories. It's how we've
1: told, you know everything from actual history to explaining phenomena to every you know from the very first inception of humankind is that we've always lived off of stories so the fact that everything is you know more hard solid provable evidence these days it is these stories live on because They are fun and people like you know towns and and communities thrive off of the different tourist attractions Mm -hmm. and money that they bring in and and things and they're just you know i think we we everybody needs those little
0: bits of of stories to tell yes precisely and so there's actually a fun story that i have here uh came from my birth year just a few just a few days uh after i was born in fact uh one of the first sightings of the lizard man was was, dis- was, uh, was discovered and it's actually a great example and it's a, quick, it's a quick little story of how a town can use a fun story to create a, a bit of a tourist trap itself and to keep it alive and to keep the residents around having jobs and having some sort of extra economy and I feel like that, that is kind of important because regardless if we know if something is true or not so, there's nothing wrong with believing in something magical exactly and it's not harming anybody it's not harming anybody and you know what and i think it's just worth discussing on a later episode but um you know sometimes we manifest things as a populace you know men like slender man you know sometimes (laughs) you just kind of will these things aloud there is there is kind of just a beautiful connected magic to things but anyways regardless so the last bit I wanted to just talk about was just this little quick example of how people can benefit and, of course, how people can immediately crack down on legends and folklore. On July 14th, 1988, the Lee County Sheriff's Office investigated a report of a car damaged overnight while parked in a home in the area of Browntown in Bishopville, South Carolina, on the edges of Scape Ore Swamp. That sounds awesome, honestly. It sounds like a swamp that I would have in a video game. It's badass. Right? The car reportedly had tooth marks and scratches, with hair and muddy footprints left behind. Sheriff Liston Truesdale noted that this was the start of various claims that eventually uh, co-escalated into a story about a lizard man in the swamp. Prompted by the news of the the damaged vehicle, a 17-year-old local, Christopher Davis, reported to the sheriff that his car was also damaged by the creature, and he described it as a green, wet-like, seven-foot-tall, three-fingered red eyes and lizardy skin snake-like scale creature oh and that was re- and he reported that that had happened two weeks prior but he was a little frightened to go and 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 uh confess these things because he didn't want to be perceived like a madman yeah according to happen. yeah well i suppose this is you know this was the 88 so according uh, two weeks prior so that was around my birthday. Yep. That was around my birthday. So, according to Davis, he was driving home from working the late shift at a fast food restaurant when his car got a flat tire. After fixing it, he saw a creature walking towards him. Oh, could you imagine, though? But, I don't want it. Oh. Davis got in his car and began to drive, but the creature was soon on the top of the car. He applied his brakes, causing the creature to roll off the car, giving Davis enough time to escape. When was, the like, the Mothman story of, like, a creature, like jumping on a car wasn't it's the same situation where there was a man on the side of the road and or he was driving that was a there was a New Jersey Devil version
1: of that where there was a cab driver driving around it was and Jersey he had Devil. to change a, a tire and then supposedly the Jersey Devil jumped on the hood of his his car and
0: like banged on the car for I wonder a long, long, when time. I wonder when that time period was because that would be interesting to kind of see if there was some kind of yeah find that find that out for me find that out for me so after he saw the, and he began to drive, but the creature was soon on top of the car. He applied his brakes, causing the creature to roll off the car, giving Davis enough time to escape. Coverage by newspapers and media resulted in increased attention for his claims. Local businesses began selling lizard man T-shirts, and the local chamber of commerce encouraged the media attention as it was good for the community. The increase in newspaper and media publicity prom- promoted further reported of, reports of sightings. And the area soon became a tourist attraction for visitors and hunters. Local radio station WCOS offered a one million dollar reward to anybody who could capture the creature alive. On August 5th, Kenneth Orr, an airman stationed in Shaw Air Force Base, filed a police report alleging that he had encountered the lizard man on Highway 15. He had shot and wounded it. He presented several scales and a small quantity of blood as evidence. Or recanted this account two days later when he was arraigned for unlawfully carrying a pistol and the misdemeanor offense of filing a false police report. So imagine that. Imagine that you oh. decide to report. You decide You're to report. You're finally like, okay, I'm going to do it. And they're like, no, so no. Uh, where'd you get that gun <laughs> that you say you shot him with? Can uh, can we see that? And then you get arrested for that. <laughs> Be the worst. Oh. So... um. According to Orr, he had hoaxed the sighting in order to keep stories about the lizard man in circulation. Reports of the creature gradually declined. At the end of the summer, local law enforcement officials specul- speculated that the sightings were likely to have been a bear, if any were sightings were found. In 2008, CNN mentioned the lizard man legend in a story about a couple in Bishopville who reported damaging their vehicle, including blood traces. The blood traces were subsequently found to be a form of domestic dog though the local sheriff suggested that it may have been a coyote or wolf in 2015 local television station wciv featured photos and videos claimed to be lizard man allegedly taken by jim wilson and other unidentified individuals in august of 2017 the south carolina emergency management division sent a humorous tweet regarding possible paranormal activity during the solar eclipse that passed over the area, hinting that the people of Lee and Sumter counties should remain vigilant for sightings of the lizard man. (laughs) You know, I want to visit this town, to be honest. Skeptical skeptical investigator Ben Radford states that the details of Chris Davis' Davis' story do not hold up under scrutiny. Sheriff Truesdale stated that Davis' story was never wavered. But Radford writes that that's just not true. (laughs) Over weeks and months and repeated tellings, the details changed many times. From having scales, to the creature being packed with mud. How far away Davis was from the creature when he first saw it, and or whether or not it attacked the car. Radford questioned how Davis was able to see the details of the lizard man creature at 2 a.m. where there was no lighting nearby and a heavily wooded area when the moon was not bright. (laughs) <laughs> if this was an aggressive creature, why were there no other credible sightings? According to Radford, the timing of Davis's story didn't make sense. If Davis saw the creature in the shadows while he was closing the trunk of his car, Davis still had to get back in the car and take off, yet Davis claims that the creature was so fast that it caught up to the car when he was doing 40 miles per hour. Reports vary with the source that Davis told the police about the attack two or more weeks later. And lastly, you know, after investigating, Radford states that the polygraph test administered to Davis may have been a publicity stunt by Southern Marketing, (laughs) a company company arranging personal appearances for Davis. Another curious issue was that there were no photographs of the damage to his car, which would provide some evidence that something had happened. Newspaper accounts gave various descriptions of the damage to the car, and in one local newspaper, Davis is quoted saying, "...he escaped with more than a scratch on his fender." (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> Radford states that Davis' report is quite is literally quite incredible, riddled with both implausibilities and impossibilities it may be sincere or it may be a hoax, but in either event no hard evidence of the creature has ever been found I love it, <laughs> I love it though, I love that commitment I think it's great, I'd go to that town ta- honestly, I'd I'd take a side trip to that town just for that kind of fun I'd buy a shirt there, I would Oh yeah, I'd buy a shirt there. Don't you have a reptilian shirt? I do. I do have a reptilian shirt. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's good
1: stuff. But it is. I want. I would. I still want to go to West Virginia.
0: Go to visit Mothman's hometown. Yeah, I think that honestly, there's going to be a a tremendous amount of project in the future when it comes to visiting locations. It's definitely something that we want to do. Oh yes. But excellent. Start doing yeah, So on the road. That's pretty much like. So when I was finding out information, I found that there were a lot of legends and folklore on swamp monsters, but that there wasn't enough, either enough information through the media or like the press or years of, you know, how long the story and the the lore has been around. And so a lot of it was more recent. Um, Yeah. And so that's why I kind of found a couple stories in uh, to, to drag them in. But I will say that uh, a lot of these creatures are definitely found in Louisiana. Florida, Kentucky, <laughs> Carolinas. So we're talking warm, hot, muggy, mosquito mosquito Oof. weathered swampy areas. The good stuff, the good stuff. The last place I want to be. Yeah, well. Flor- <laughs> Florida was nice. It had its moments.
1: For a short for a short period of time. When it's the winter. It's nice. Yeah. Snowbird it <laughs> as as one would say. Snowbird it. And it still gets too hot even then. Honestly, it's been yeah. miserably hot here in New Jersey recently. Oh, hey, I hated it. Well, you, hated
0: s- it. you said also recently that it, it, the temperature had dropped and you wore a sweater and here I am wearing like a hat because it's freezing in my house right now. And it's like it can't be more than like it's probably 69 degrees outside. And I, yeah, it was I, 80 I, degrees uh, and I was like, oh, it's chilly because it's been so
1: freaking hot here. Yeah. I like this temperature, though. I like I like sweater weather. Me, too. Oh, me, too. And start drinking hot coffee again. Mm,
0: it's my favorite. I've never stopped drinking hot coffee. I drink hot coffee every day. Ugh. Ugh. Every day. Ugh. Every day. I drink hot coffee again. Yeah. yeah. You're insane. I mean, it's well. Cheap. I got to tell you, I'm.
1: Yeah, that's true. I pay. I buy Stoke cold brew coffee, and that shit. That's that's a lot of money.
0: Oh, that is it costs a lot. Good coffee, though. But I kn- it is really good. I know what you're talking about. That shit is delicious. Yeah,
1: I love it. And I got to tell you, man, I'm very, very happy to be not talking about Sylvia
0: Likens this week. Oh my! Oh man, my! Three in a row. Very rewarding. Three, three in a row. I was very eager to to do this episode as well. I was just like ready for it, and I'm just happy that I don't have to. That I don't have to think about how God damn. Well, t- we we recently followed an account on Instagram, and they post all the time about Sylvia Likens too, and I feel like I'm getting flashbacks myself. No oh God. Yeah, it's very sad. It's very sad. I need,
1: yeah, needed a break. So I'm, I'm glad that we did something goofy and fun like cryptids. It's just been, I love it. I'm very happy about yeah, it.
0: Yeah, and on our next episode, we're going to dive into more of a, a fun topic on gothic photographers, illustrators, and artists. Um, yes,
1: artists. I'm bringing you
0: another art episode. Another art episode. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about Edward Gorey. And Laney's gonna be talking about Joel Peter Witkin. He is
1: one of my favorite artists of all time and favorite photographer by far. Oh, he's just fantastic.
0: It's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good dark and dingy episode. I'm very excited for yes. it. Yes. Very Edwardian in my book. I'm I'm quite happy. Yeah. It'll be a good it'll be a good twist on things. Plus, um I've decided to actually order some artwork, so it inspired yeah, it inspired me to, to get a couple prints. So, it's good stuff. Good That's stuff. fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, can never go wrong with more art. No, honestly, I need more on the wall. I need to make more. So, I quick, love your quick drawings. Little you've been fun doing. Stuff. Thank you. No, no, no. We're going to do those. That's our little swag collection. Yes. That's our little swag collection. I've been posting those on our Instagram. I uh, did some ghosts, I've done some mushrooms, and some cute things. And right now, I'm working on drug dealing snails. So it's going to be a so, trend. yeah, he's so cute. Selling grass. He's selling. look at this hoodlum out here selling grass. Oh, I love him. But, uh, yeah, no quick little fun thing though. Um, so Lainey and I are trying to get our website situated in regards to the domain. Oh my God. And, um, I, Lainey doesn't actually know the, what, what I got today for an email, but I ended up paying like $75 without realizing what I was paying for. I thought if I paid $75 I got the name, but instead I got connected with a brokerage firm who would help me secure the name, which by the way is owned by nobody. Um,
1: so you didn't buy anything I didn't, except Oh fuck, my microphone's except falling. Except a consultation. You didn't buy anything, yeah, except a conversation with somebody and to maybe yeah. get the name. So oh, God, here's it's the best so part.
0: Here's the best part. I'm actually going to pull up this email right now and I'm going to read it directly from the, the, you know, the the horse's mouth, because when I read it, I was like, well, I wonder if I can just cancel payment now. Like, I wonder if there's a way that like, I can just avoid having to pay for this shit at all, but it's kind of funny. It says, thank you for completing the process of entering your budget for the domain contagious com By the way, I entered a $10 budget, bitch. That's what I'm paying. Yeah. The premium domain name is an investment in your web presence and branding. I'm your broker and will always do my best to successfully negotiate the best prices. But please understand that the original budget submitted is unlikely to get a response from the owner of this particular domain. Literally, GoDaddy.com is the owner of the domain where I was buying the fucking name. Okay, so the goal is to present the owner with a reasonable and fair offer that gets their interest without making too strong of an offer that we overpay. Here's what I suggest... (laughs) For a fair starting range to be successful at the best price five hundred to twenty five (gasps) hundred dollars. what you can reply back and let me know if we can modify your offer to the suggested amount of my $10, um, 500 milady. Actually. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I'm, that's insane. I'm dying. I'm dying about it. And so I'm just going to try and stop payment, but I'm just fucking like, what a piece of shit I am right now. Like honestly, well, 100- to be fair, we were still coming down off of the Brendan Fraser high. Oh, we were experiencing. It's true. We went so. right into it. We went right into the website shit. Yeah. We were already very excited. So, <laughs> it was the <laughs> Brendan Fraser effect. I just started spending money. I didn't have. <laughs> worth it, worth so it. Worth, it it. worth it. It was worth it. It was it yeah, was worth the f- Brendan Fraser. For Frazier. nothing,
1: for us to get nothing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For the Brendan Fraser conversation, I paid seventy five dollars to hear that my sister was going to see Brendan Fraser. Regardless, oh I'm gonna God. stop it. I'm gonna figure it out, and we're most likely gonna end up um, going with Catandlady dot or contagiouscuriositypod.com. dot We haven't quite decided it yet. Regardless, the website's gonna be up and going soon, and uh, next year um, we're gonna launch our e-commerce merchandise store um yes i'm gonna upload some personal fun designs i, I am all about trying to get into more dilu- digital illustrations so i plan to make some badass prints for you guys i'm so excited me too i'm so excited me too but of course if you have to get a hold of us or you have any questions um you can find us on instagram at cat and laney uh, oh sorry contagious curiosity pod um, but yes. also, if you look up Kat and Lainey, L-A-N-E-Y, um, you will find us as well. We're on Twitter, at Kat and Lainey. Um, we're on Reddit now. We've created a sub-community. Uh, a community. Um, Yeah, go check us out on Reddit. We're posting random
1: facts and videos and cool, interesting things from other subreddits. Just really awesome stuff that gets your curiosity, you know, um, blood flowing and... Gets you interested in different things, just things we find cool. And we would love for you guys to come and post anything on that page as well that you guys find interesting or anything that you think would be awesome
0: to cover in an episode. Really just, it's a great community. Come and check it out. I uploaded recently a, a video of a pig hollering contest worth, worth watching. I tell you. Uh, oh
1: my God. It gets you. It is. Oh, woo, it is phenomenal. I sure as heck tell you all right guys all right we love you so much thank you so much for joining us for yet another week we're so happy to have you guys here and please um come and join us again next week we're really excited to bring you some more art yeah 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 all right have a good one
0: Cheers. cheers
1: mushrooms produce vitamin d when exposed to ultraviolet light but they don't need light to grow